Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast. Glad to be back. Unlike the uh, dunk contest on Saturday, we're going to get this done on our first attempt. Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins, as always. Uh, let's start off with that All-Star Saturday. It might have been your best opening of all time. You know, I try. Hey, you know, every day is a school day. So, and, you know, I'm, to, I'm, learning, I'm learning how to, how to get to these be clear, done. To be clear, that was the first, very first attempt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. That was the first attempt. I'm getting a 50 here. It's not going to be like a 46, 45 for, you know, multiple attempts. Um, yeah, let's, let's start off with that. Um, you, I, you, I, wow. So here goes the first attempt thing. You, I, and Brandon Nunez, uh, also my boy, Russell Preston, shout out Russell, who, uh, helped us both actually make, make, uh, make our graphics for, for our shows. Talented man. Uh, Very talented. Um, all watched all-star Saturday together. Um, and it was probably the least eventful, uh, thing that we could have, possibly done together it was a rough watch everyone rough watch. spent their and we watched the whole thing i mean we watched from from the lame attempt at whatever it was that they called the skills competition this year uh to the three-point shootout which was uh strange and then the uh dunk contest which was just not it um frank what what really was there anything that you would say was a was a salvageable moment from from all-star saturday was there anything that you think you'll remember besides besides the good times had of course the round table pizza that we had (laughs) you know what i would rather talk about is pizza tears (laughs) i would honestly much rather have a conversation about round table versus mountain mics than we had top in verse hamadou diallo or whoever was in the dunk contest you don't remember you don't remember i don't i honestly like Give me I'm I'm not joking. I need to think right now of who won. Uh, it wasn't Obi Toppin, right? Obi didn't uh, win. It right? was. It was Obi Toppin. Damn. That's like literally my only guess. It I was it was uh, Juan Toscano Anderson that was running around. Right. How could I I'm sorry, Russell. Uh, Ru- Russell's a big Warrior fan. He was rooting hard for for JTA and uh yeah, I mean we were all let down. <laughs> we were all let down. I mean, I wanted him to win because Russell wanted him to win, and <laughs> it just honestly, man, I don't. There wasn't one notable dunk from the whole, no. the whole night. There wasn't one. There wasn't really a moment. I mean, we we were we were outside just hanging out while the three point contest was going on, and we yep. we came in and saw that cat won. So what yep. the hell kind of a circus is this All Star yeah. weekend? Also, cat was the betting least favorite i don't know how to say obviously there's betting favorite he was the biggest underdog um yeah when i checked uh odds before before the events i believe he was like plus a thousand or something but did like they that. do it the same way we didn't watch the actual three-point didn't competition did they do yeah. it the same way because they changed everything else up they changed no up the the skills contest was a, a joke that was yeah. an honest to god joke yeah. it was like watching a high school like or a, like a high school PE class run through. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It was definitely more of a PE class than like an actual like throw to the hole and then throw it to that hole and then shoot for half court. Yeah, like yeah, it didn't make any sense because they did like two previous or two challenges before they eventually just did what we know as the skills contest and there was like a point system, but then also the point system didn't matter if you just won the skills contest at the end. So 
I don't even know if we should really spend a lot of more time on this because I don't know how many people even watched it. Um, but it it was not fun. It was not you know maybe. Well, I mean, why? I, yeah. Why they change? Why they make the holes for the the passing on skills competition so massive, huge? They used to just be tires. They like were like tire tires. Hole. Yeah, it was like a little, probably a little smaller than a tire hole. Honestly, yeah. it, it it was a complicated pass, and that's the whole point: is you have to be skilled to make the pass. Anyone can throw a basketball through a seven by eight hole. Do you want to hear the stupidest part? In uh, I. I'm only like 80% sure that this is correct because the rules were obviously incredibly difficult to follow with the randomness of it. Um, The tiebreaker, which was actually necessary to figure out who would go into the final of that competition was who made the most outlet passes, chest passes and like baseball passes or something like it was something so or football. Like it was so dumb. The criteria that they were, making for like it would just seem like it was all thrown together in like two minutes and they were just like oh like you know it's got we've got the Antetokounmpo brothers like that'll work which also that was that I, mean, I don't know it was it was a tough watch tough tough watch people people bring hard on it and they should be they should they be. should be the all-star yeah. game was really boring too at the beginning but the end was fun I mean Steph going yeah. crazy LeBron with the game winner in Cleveland very poetic. That's fine, but the the NBA needs to do something at All Star Weekend because yeah. it's just it's, it's not it's just not what it used to be. It's not it, I no. I used to be so excited for it, and arguably the most exciting. I mean, the Rising Stars game had possibly more excitement than any of this other stuff. So, do you feel like the thing that the all-star event well not even the events because really the three-point contest is is fairly star-studded um i shouldn't even say star-studded but at least relevant people are in it do you think a big part of the dunk contest lack of uh allure is the fact that there's no big names doing it i've heard that thrown around a lot and i'm i've kind of convinced myself of it like if john morant were in the dunk contest this year would that have would that have, you know, maybe made it felt feel bigger? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know why. You probably have to win it, though, also. Like, there's not much to just kind of showing up, being like, ooh, I'm in it, but I really don't want to hurt myself. So that's what I'm saying. That's, that's the thing. Stuff. I don't think people want to get hurt. And it, it is a risk. I think that Darius Garland got hurt in All Star Weekend. He, I don't know if it came from it exactly, but I think he has some sort of like back soreness or. I don't know. I'm not sure if it comes from All-Star Weekend, but the point is these guys are they're not really resting like everybody else, and that might be a, a, a main reason why some guys don't want to do it. Let me put this ball in your court because this is definitely more your alley. So the the Home Run Derby really hasn't yeah. had this. I guess it has a little bit, but mainly you'll get you know Shohei Otani doing the, the Home Run Derby. Aaron Judge will do the Home Run Derby. Joey, the people that you want to see in the Home Run Derby, for the most part, will do it. Even with the, I don't even, I mean, you could probably tell me better than you could probably tell me if this is true because I'm always hearing, oh, there's a post all-star or a post home run derby slump that people usually go through because when you're taking 150 swings straight for the fences and then you go back to playing regular baseball, your kind your swing is just, Mm -hmm. it just takes a while to get adjusted. Do you think maybe it's a little bit of that or is that kind of even a, a misnomer? I don't know. I mean, with baseball, it's so 
it's just like so technical and that's what your, your swing so technical and people don't want to do it because of that very reason you, you've heard that a lot of people slump after they do the home run derby because they're swinging out of their shoes and they're training yeah. they're, they're training for that that three-day span leading into it two-day span leading into it then they 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 come back and they usually historically i think more players than not have struggled the dunk contest though it's i don't know if that really messes up your, your <laughs> flow of gameplay yeah. dunking i wouldn't think so <laughs> a basketball i mean there's not much i mean it's technical in a different way it's 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 just not as structured as like having your baseball swing and, and you're yeah. you're messing up uh the way you you load when you're waiting for a pitch and mm-hmm. stuff like that with dunking it's just kind of more of i think in my opinion what do they because with baseball I, I believe they get a, a bonus you get a bonus from the dunk contest too though don't you don't you get a million you have to get you some win? form of check for sure you get paid from the the, the home run derby and then obviously they have the, the charity um the charity aspect of it with like the golden baseballs and stuff like that. So it's, um, Hey, case you case having John Clayton on today. That's, that's crazy. Um, sorry. We've got a text from my boss. John Clayton is John Clayton still with ESPN. No clue. Does John Clayton still rock a, uh, mom, <laughs> a mom, yeah. mom, I'm done with my segment that, that, uh, that's one of the best. This, this, this is ESPN's. ESPN's. That's one of the best ones of all time, man. Mom, While we're talking baseball segment. too. How perfect. Yeah, this is uh, – is he a football guy? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, he is uh, He is a football guy. I'm sorry. I was thinking um, – who's Paul, the other uh, one? Carl Ravitch? Or... Uh, that was not who I was thinking. But, oh, Peter uh, Gammons? No, I'm getting him and uh, the main baseball dude who's freaking hilarious and always laughs at um, uh, Scott Van Pelt doing a Baltimore accent. Um, is, he is he old? Yes, he's an older guy. That? Um. Oh my God, Tim Kirkjian. Oh, Tim Kirkjian. Love me I, some Tim Kirkjian. I love Tim Kirkjian. I love Tim Kirkjian. <laughs> yeah, that was back in the day. Sorry, we're, we're going to get off baseball soon. It's By the way, right. baseball, baseball's still in a lockout. In case anyone's been <laughs> there, they probably are not going to be playing baseball until summer. Um. Back in the day, though, I was thinking about how great. Did you, did you ever watch the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast with John Miller and um? Joe Morgan, sorry, the late, the late, the late yeah, every Joe so Morgan. often I would, yeah. Those were great. I was yes. thinking about like how great those broadcasts were, and I saw that now they they got A Rod off. They won't watch his baseball. How bad A Rod was at broadcasting. Um, you got to have good broadcasters, man. Like who, what, what, who has the best broadcasters? Like which network has the best broadcasters? You think? Well, this is actually a pretty relevant conversation in sports because there's a whole bunch of money being thrown around for. Troy Aikman and and Al Michaels and Will Joe Buckley Fox all of this is very much in the uh, sports media I don't know what you would call it uh, world right now it's all going on I would say my favorite I mean you know I probably don't have one at the moment actually I mean I really enjoy individuals but you in terms, always you I like sit on individuals. The I don't – this isn't sitting – I just don't have, like, a grouping of people that – I love Gus Johnson. I would say Buck and Aikman just because they make it feel right, but I'm not a big Joe Buck guy. And honestly, like, Aikman's fine. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really thinking that, but – yeah, for sure. Uh, But even, like, Mark Jones and Doris, I love Doris. I love Mark as individuals sometimes. I mean – I love Mark sometimes because he's a little over the top. I would probably say that's the best one. I love me some Kevin Harlan. 
I don't Tiny know. Gold. Yeah, I'm more I'm more individual. I I really I'm not a big fan of a lot of color commentators either. I I've, I think I've found that is Mark I'm Jackson, big play by play guy, but with all due respect, no. With all due respect, with all due respect. <laughs> Like that's a bad. Like I love Breen, but then yeah, Mark Jackson and Van Gundy. I'm I'm just not the biggest fans of. Well, the side uh, conversations that Van Gundy and and Jackson have, they always kind of get like in their own. People talk about mm-hmm. how Chuck and Shaq argue. I feel like Van Gundy and Jackson kind of yes. go back at, back and forth <laughs> yeah. that a lot too. So and then there's like you know Albert used to be with Chris Weber, and Weber's terrible. Yes. Um. Gus Johnson's great. Like Gus Johnson to me is probably the goat of of specifically football announcing, but uh or play by play I should say. And basketball he's also pretty damn good for for a really good game, but um I don't know. Yeah, I just don't have an answer to that. I'm sorry. Who who's yours? Uh mine's I mean, it's like retroactive, probably TNT back when it was Harlan and Marv Albert, just because it was no matter who is calling a game, you're getting. I mean, that's not a knock on on Ian Eagle or anything. Oh, I love Ian too. I believe he fills yeah. in now on on um on TNT now, doesn't he? Or mm-hmm. that's ESPN. Yeah. That's ESPN. No, he, I does, think. he does TNT. No, who fills in on TNT now? Also, um, um, he's on 2K, and he does baseball. Uh can't tell you. Can't tell you who that is. Um. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I'm... What? I don't it's an know. interesting conversation, though. I think uh, who are yours? You know, everybody, the... yeah. Let us know. Let us know who your favorite broadcasters are. Broadcasting team, really, because I know it's been kind of a hot topic of discussion lately. So let's hear it. Um, okay, Kings. Finally, back to Kings. Back to Kings. We're still at all. Let's break, get, let's get to Kings. We're we're 15 minutes in. We'll 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 figure to talk about the Kings we, eventually. We we still are in all-star break mode. It, it, it was nice having a break, but it was. last night, it, yeah. you know, back at it. Back at it, uh, and there was a lot of expectation coming in, not too specifically tonight, but for this final stretch of games here. Uh, obviously, the Kings find themselves three. Are they still three and a half because Portland lost last night? They're still three and a half out because... Three and a half Portland, out of the playing yeah. game uh, with reaching on almost 20 games left here uh, where the Kings are going to have to win ball winning ball games is the only way that they're going to make this, this deficit uh, shrink. And they have a pretty tough schedule ahead of them. Um, I believe it's been thrown around that they have like the ninth toughest schedule remaining in the NBA uh, for the remainder of the season. That's obviously not going to do the Kings any favors. Uh, they have a couple games against Minnesota and um, and San Antonio as well. I think they might have another one against Portland. I'm not entirely sure. I actually don't no. think so now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. No more against Portland. Um, yeah, they, own, they own that tiebreaker. Yes, I know they own all of their tiebreakers. Jason Ross broke that down yesterday on his show. For now. Um, yes, for now. And the Kings, like I said, they're on, the only way they're going to get through – to the to the play in tournament is by winning a lot of tough games uh down this stretch. They did not get off to a good start last night. I mean the first three quarters it was very reminiscent to what we saw kind of in Chicago where they hung around for three quarters and then just kind of couldn't I mean even in Chicago at least they held on a little bit better than last night, but mm-hmm. um they just at the end of the day didn't have the uh didn't have it and 
I mean, specifically last night, the Nuggets just could not miss from the field. It felt like, sure, like the Kings weren't playing lockdown, lockdown defense, but I mean, at every single buzzer beater and every, you know, oh, that's a pretty tough shot. It would just go in every single time. I believe uh, the Nuggets ended up shooting way more than 50% from the field, uh, over 40%. Damn near 90%. 55 from the field, 42 from three, 85 from the free throw line. Yeah, you're not going to win many games when you're when you're allowing numbers like that. And the Kings allow those numbers a lot. Yep. They allow those, yeah, many, many times. And again, like you said, they're just not going to win a lot of basketball games like that. Um, it was really just, you know, if, if you can let Nikola Jokic do what he's going to do, he's the MVP for a reason. That fool is, is just going to get his numbers. But when you allow the Will Bartons of the world to score 30 plus and, and, you know, um, you're, just, you're just not going to win a lot of games when Will Barton drops 30 on you. Um, did you, how do you feel going in? I mean, obviously last night's game is going to kind of temper your emotions a little bit, but how do you feel uh, the Kings are, are situated heading into this final stretch of games? I think they're situated well still. I know it was one game and they Again, I think it kind of comes down to how bad the defense was. And I'm not going to let one game fully sway the way I feel. I think that if they kind of get rolled on Saturday, tomorrow, that's going to change the way I feel if they can't come out and, and, you know, if they lose tomorrow, the season's not necessarily over either, but it's just the way they're playing. And the the way that they laid down flat in the fourth was pretty concerning. And I just really hope it's not going to be a trend. But I would like to chalk it up to – Alvin Gentry made a, a bad decision last night. Yeah. I think I think he made a very bad decision last night by having all of Barnes, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis all on the bench to start the fourth quarter. And yeah, Nikola Jokic was on the bench too, granted. But when you're down by five to start the fourth and you let Denver go on an eight-two run to start the quarter, the game the game's over. It's 11-point mm-hmm. lead with eight minutes left. The game's all but over. And... I think if you had taken advantage of that time and said, you know, we can't really afford to take our best players out right now. Yeah. Jokic is out for them, but let's have Fox Barnes and Sabonis in together. Let's go on a run on our own. Cause that way let's, let's have a, f- a four point lead instead. Let's go on a run of our own and, and take advantage of their all-star being out. Not us putting all three of our, our best players out because the, the, the lineup at that point, I believe was Davion Mitchell, Jeremy lamb, Justin holiday, um, Damian Jones Damian out there. Jones. And I, I can't remember who the other person was I was out there off the top of my head, but it just was not enough. It, 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 was, uh, it might have been Mo Harkless. DiVincenzo? I think it was Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I think they ran DiVincenzo with Holiday, with Lamb, and Davion and Jones. It was an interesting decision. And if I'm not mistaken, he did the same exact thing in Brooklyn as well, which is kind of what led to to them losing was, was uh, they were I think they were down – eight or 12 or something like that in Brooklyn making a run. And then he took out Sabonis for Holmes and the game was then went to like 19. And at that point, the game was over. We've kind of seen a trend here the past couple games of, of Alvin Gentry, honestly, just making rotational mistakes and it's cost them. It it is definitely cost them uh, at least a couple games here. I don't think anyone's expecting or has expected Alvin Gentry to come back uh, or to come back uh, next season. Is this kind of 
you know, you think the the nail in the coffin for Alvin moving forward, or do you think? I mean, I guess it might be a little premature because if they go on a run here, but um, how, how are you feeling about Alvin's security these days? I mean, I think that it's we've talked about there might be some things in his contract. I think it just it won't mean he's going to be head coach. It might just mean he gets a little bit more of a payday. But That's he I he. I don't think he's going to be the head coach. I think it's a 99.9% certainty he will not be the head coach next year. And that's not a knock on Alvin at all. Alvin's been, been great. We love the media sessions. He's always been so fun. Uh, he, he's been in this league for 30 years. He knows what he's doing. He, he is a guy that can coach a team. I just don't know if it's this team. And I don't know if last night was, you know, I don't know if there is really necessarily a nail in the, in the coffin. I think that <laughs> it's just kind of like a, we're running the clock out situation. And everyone kind of, I think everyone knows that, even Alvin. And they're going to undergo a, a, a full coaching search for the first time in eight, nine years. They haven't really ever had a coaching search before. They had a couple people they interviewed back before Jaeger, like two or three candidates, and then Jaeger became available, and Vladi immediately has hired him on the spot. Obviously, we know what happened with George Carl back in the day. We know that Luke Walton also was hired on the spot just without having any any other search. So it's... It's going to be nice to see the Kings have a full coaching search. But, yeah, it, it's, it makes you kind of wonder what would happen if they did have that guy, if they did have Kenny Atkinson right now on the bench, if they did have um, – I never mind. A, a name that I, I thought I heard mentioned a while back was Mike Brown. I, I, I don't – I just vomited in my mouth. I, why do the Kings keep trying to replicate the Warriors is the one thing I don't understand. <laughs> they, you can't replicate that. I don't think of Warriors when I think of Mike Brown. Are I they gonna re- are they gonna replicate the Chicago Bulls next or the, or the eighties Celtics? Bring oh in Tibbs. <laughs> Someone had a tweet about how Tom Thibodeau has success for for one season, then he just refuses to change, no matter how bad things get for like thirteen months. Then he gets fired. He like refuses. Well, I, yeah, I'm we're, I'm gonna cross sports here again. Like <laughs> I I just went through this with uh, Mike Zimmer as my football coach. I'm sure I, as the football coach of my favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, I should say. Um, and the players have legitimately said like he leads talking about Mike Zimmer leads in a fear-based way. Like he wants you to do things because you're afraid of the repercussions of, Oh my God, he's going to yell at me after I definitely get those same exact vibes with Tibbs where it's just, and that wears on people. Everybody in the Vikings organization is like, we just need something new, something fresh, someone who's not going to come in and yell at us for the past eight years about doing the smallest little defensive adjustment and stuff. And I definitely think Tibbs is the same way where it's like he can instill a culture in you for a year because it is a very big. Sh- How big of a culture shock would it be to go from Luke Walton to Tom Thibodeau? Like that is that is that is literally night and day. And so I'm a, sure a, player's, you, a player's coach to a coach's coach. Yes. A so coach's if you, coach. you know, like I'm sure if the Kings were to bring in Tibbs next year, there would be a huge change. You know, they're just in mentality, especially in style of play. Um, I'm sure their defense would take an uptick. We'd see a lot of players that we wouldn't typically see play. Um, but also, I guarantee that by the second or third year, like you're saying, it would just be all right. Like very much like what we heard under Dave Yeager is these guys just kind of didn't want to be pushed in that way. And then we saw a very large uh, overcorrection when they went to Luke Walton, where it's like, all right, well, here's this demanding 
guy. Now we're going to give you freaking Bill Walton's son. <laughs> the, you know, not that you know, not that I've heard a lot of Luke actually isn't as vibey as Bill, but uh, you know, nonetheless, we all we we talked with Luke a, a few times, and he was very nice. I mean, I've I've only heard nice things about Luke yeah. Walton. We didn't talk to him more than like that. I mean, just being around him and seeing. I've only heard good things from other people about him. Obviously, his track record as a basketball coach was poor, um, and his decision-making was not great. But also the roster was – not to bail him out. But the, that's what I was saying. That's one of the biggest thing we talked about earlier of the season is the roster just isn't, like, isn't good, and Luke isn't the all-at-fault. It's like, well, no, I'm not saying he's not all-at-fault, but both things can be true. That mm-hmm. Luke was not a great coach and the roster was not good. It, just, it was a doomed marriage. But now the roster, I think, has some good pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I was seeing last night, though, and I've been seeing since they made the trade is, especially with Tyrese Albert and Buddy Heald off the roster, Kings don't have many shooters anymore, or any, really. I mean, the best shooter on the team right now is Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that's concerning. Not, not because HB is a bad shooter, but because that's not really what he does. HB doesn't just go out there and camp out and float and, and, and spot up the threes. He floats. But he's also a guy that can put his head down and go into the paint yeah. and go go to the rim, like we've seen. And that kind of leaves Jeremy Lamb, Dante DiVincenzo, who's struggled. Um, De'Aaron Fox has been shooting better from three, but I wouldn't really categorize him as a shooter. I mean, obviously, to Definitely be not. Davion Mitchell's had his moments, had a tough night last night. Trey Lyles played five minutes. I mean, there's just there's just nothing. Justin Holiday has really struggled, except for that that game against Chicago. The Kings need shooters. They need floor spacers. If 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 you were to have this team with, I mean, off the top of my head, the good version of Buddy Heald or like J.J. Redick back a couple years ago, that's what they need. They need a guy that can just go out there. Kyle Korver a couple years ago, they've seen a guy that can spot up and knock down threes and be a threat. Because mm-hmm. Sabonis is so good at finding his teammates. He had five assists last night. He should have had more. He should have mm-hmm. had, had a triple-double, in my opinion. All the threes the Kings missed last night. DeMontis Sabonis was, was responsible for finding a lot of those guys. And the Kings last night as a team, they shoot 9 of 29, which is 31% from three-point range. And that's been kind of a trend. That's been kind of a trend because I'm looking at the game log here. They have shot, I believe, under 40% from three. And if you load, they've shot under – so 31%. They had a good night against Chicago, 25%, 36%, 35 33 It's – they need more shooters. Because that was the one of the biggest skills that they had before the trade was Buddy Heald, bad basketball player, good shooter. Tyrese Halliburton, very good basketball player, good shooter. Now you take those two out for a center who's arguably a top five center in the game. I got dragged on Twitter for that. I believe DeMontis Bonus is a top five player in the game. Stop hating on DeMontis Bonus people. Um, it changes things. Yeah, yeah and, uh, you know, I – I hate to I feel like this is my thing but like I I I mentioned this when when people were clamoring for trading buddy healed of like it's totally fine that I I am also right on board with you he needs to go but if you were going to let him go you were going to have to bring back some semblance of shooting back and I guess maybe they were hoping that Jeremy Lamb could potentially provide that and and Justin Holiday obviously is a good not great uh shooter in general but yeah i mean they they just they don't have anybody who's a real threat from out there and they have people who can hit threes but aren't shooters like you're saying i mean the team is definitely lacking that as well as rim protection 
um, in a very real way. And those are two very, very important parts of basketball is hitting your shots and defending the rim. Those are those are like great ways of winning basketball games. If you can protect the rim and hit your threes, you're going to win a, a lot of basketball games. And the Kings just flat out can't do that. Um, especially when, you know, you have, you know, Nikola Jokic and stuff also going off and, and creating a bunch of, you know, you're having to, to focus on him that really leaves shooters open and leaves cutting lanes open. It's, it's, uh, it's tough. It, it was a tough game and, you know, they play the Nuggets again on, on what is Saturday. It, uh, Saturday. Tomorrow. I, Tomorrow. I kind of expect a lot of the same and it's, uh, it's definitely going to be something to monitor moving forward of just like, is this team going to, cause they do, they kind of haven't, I, I haven't really looked, but I don't think they've, they've really dialed down the three point attempts either. Maybe a little bit just because, you know, buddy was having nights yeah. where he would take 10 threes, but, um, you know, it doesn't really feel like anybody else is, is, you know, well, I feel like they're like, Oh, let's try and just be efficient from three. No, they have guys that are still taking threes. You know, when Shemezi was in the rotation, but she could be back in the next game for all we know, he was taking threes. Uh, Mo Harkless take, took three last night, made one Hall. I mean, there's guys that are taking threes. Jeremy lamb, um, Divincenzo has been off. I mean, he, he made two yeah. out of six last night. I think he's a guy that could, tap into it eventually i believe he shot 38 percent from three last year yeah 38 percent from three last year uh he's a 34 percent shooter from three over his career i think he's a guy that could figure it out um the team has these guys that can knock it down consistently and yeah. and i think jason ross pointed this last out last night on the post-game press conference that i was listening to or post-game or post-show whatever post-game show um that the nuggets had six six more threes than the kings last night Six times three is 18. The Kings lost by 18 points. It's a skill. It's an art form. It's an art form. Um, on a positive note, um, before we get into the end stuff, Demontis Sabonis last night, Chris. Boy, oh boy. He had, sorry, back to the box score, 33 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. He was 15 of 23 from the field. 65% shooting since the 20 beginning of the 2018-19 season, which I believe was 18-19. It's one, two, I think it's five seasons ago, almost four seasons ago. Only five players have posted a stat line like that. Can you name them? 33, 14, and five. While shooting 65% or higher. Giannis. One. Um, 14 rebounds. Jokic. Nope. Wow. Uh, Embiid? Two. Uh, LeBron? Negative. Since when? 2018-19 uh, season. 18-19. Wow. Um, Only five players have done it. 14 rebounds is quite a bit of rebounding. That is tough stuff. I feel like I'm missing somebody obvious. Um Julius Randle? <laughs> That's no. not obvious, but um, man, I don't. Kawhi Leonard, maybe? He no, gets a lot so of rebounds. Do you give up? Uh, you, I'll give you one more guess. Nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up. I think that's... So, Giannis did it 12 yeah. times. Of course. Joel yeah, Embiid that seems it, like easy. Yeah, Joel Embiid did it four times. Okay. Carl Anthony Towns has done it twice. Oh! 
Cat. I should have said Cat. He's done it twice. And then the only other player that's done it once, Anthony Davis. Anthony Bennett. <laughs> and then Demontis Sabonis. So that's your list. Giannis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Sabonis over the last four or five seasons have posted that kind of stat line. Those are that's an MVP, two-time MVP, MVP frontrunner this year, one of the best centers in the league in Towns, an MVP candidate in Davis in the past. I mean, yeah, Sabonis put some respect on his name. And he he, did, he does it effortlessly too. He he looked yeah. like he was completely I don't know if any other player can maybe other than Embiid can make Nikola Jokic look like that, like yeah. struggling in the paint. But Sabonis got whatever he wanted last night. It's just the mm-hmm. other guys did not show up. Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, most most notable did most notably did not show up. Very reminiscent of like a DeMarcus Cousins game. I feel like we we've gone back in the past now. We're like, oh yeah, this guy is going absolutely bananas. And if literally anybody else could give us something, it would be great. Because I think De'Aaron really, really struggled last night to find a shot. He was struggling to get to the rim. Um, I think he only had like 10 or 12 points until late in it late in that fourth a lot quarter. Of, a lot of garbage time. Yeah. He got, he got about three, I think three, I think he had 14 points in the last like three minutes and he got three quick scores or like yeah. last six minutes of the game. Yeah. It was, they were down by like 15 at that point. Though, what did he, he end up with? 20. Yeah, that's crazy. On 50% uh, shooting, which that's fine, but we need you to be more like the aggressiveness is to come earlier, you know, mm-hmm. he, and Matt George put that out and he got some, I mean, Rob Perez kind of quoted it and had some fun with it. About what? The, the NFT thing. Uh, he said he got rug, De'Aaron rug pulled them, didn't he? Um, I don't want to get into that whole thing. Look up De'Aaron Fox NFT if you want to. Oh, I thought you were talking about Matt George. God, no, that, Matt, Matt George tweeted De'Aaron Fox can't disappear down the yes. stretch. And Matt, yes. that's right. But then Rob Perez, you know, because he likes to hate on the Kings, put De'Aaron really pulled the rug from under them, didn't he? Because mm. apparently rug pulling's a term. For oh, the NFT term. Gotcha. NFTs, he like backing out and yeah. Anyways, that's been a whole thing. That's been a whole, been a whole thing. Anytime I tweet anything about Deer and Fox right now, I'm getting hammered with people NFTs, just NFTs. NFTs. Getting, uh, can you believe this? Oh my gosh, disgrace! Let me tag every single media person who's ever existed and said anything. They're angry. Deer and Fox stole my money. It's like you know I, I can't help you with that. I I can't. <laughs> I cannot help you with that. I don't even. I don't dabble in NFTs, so can't answer that. Can't answer um, that. But no, we, is there is there anything else from last night's game? We should, no, uh, I mean it, it's one game, and again, this is kind of an all over the place podcast. We're kind of shout just, out Mike Malone while we're all shout over out the place. Mike. Shout out Mike. I love Malone. my guy Mike. Like you see all the players though pointing out the Will Barton, Jokic. They all said like, on video. Yep. Happy it happened against Sacramento. Like, yep. thank thank God they fired him because he's our coach. It's like, okay, okay, it's great. I'm very happy for you. I'm very very happy for you. I haven't. This is. Denver. I'm going to get personal here. If you're listening to the podcast, you're going to learn something about. I haven't. I haven't dated a lot of women in my life, mm. but Michael Malone has given me the feeling of the one that got away. I know, like, I know what that feels like because Michael Malone is that guy for me. We're, like. We're talking about like Rushmore of we're gonna do Rushmore of the Kings in a little bit. Who's the Rushmore of the ones that got away? It's like Mike Malone, Luca. Um, I mean, how many? That already hurts. Like, I mean, you can stop. You can stop. That's it. Right that's there. the mountain. I mean, that's that's it. Um, it's like a statue. I mean, it's not Rushmore. It's Statue of Liberty. It's it's Mike Malone holding up, yeah. holding up Luca. That's the statue the Kings have. That, that really has doom. Is. That would have the Kings would be a. a 
if they had Mike Lowe as head coach and Luka Doncic on the team, holy hell. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing is I was trying to think of like who else is in there. And like, there's just a massive gap between like this really, the, there's a 16 year gap pretty much of like, or I guess Mike kind of fits in like 10, 14, 10 years or something like that. But like, there's nobody in the, you know, Oh, John Bra, Oh, Dante green. That's the guy that really got it. Like there's Tyrese no, they weren't even really trying. Like when I really think about it, it's probably Hedo and Gerald Wallace. Would be Tyre- the other guys if, if Tyrese, if Tyrese turns into like the next Chris no. Paul, that could be, that would, <laughs> that would be not ideal. If he's a 2010 guy, which I think he could be um, trending that way. We don't need to get, I mean, I don't want to, I I we were I was talking about with some of the media members at, at at dinner last night just about how I think we all need to kind of move on from from that it's over Tyrese Albert was traded Sabonis is here it's a trade that could really benefit both sides I think we can all just kind of move on from that but yeah if if Tyrese does become great and Sabonis does not become great here he's up there it, it start the Rushmore begins to take shape of Mike Malone Luca Tyrese. And then I guess, yeah, is Gerald Wallace the other one right now? Are we forgetting anybody? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Who Hito, left here? Gerald King, Wallace. Right? Um, Mike, I mean, Mike was just such a glaring. Uh, I mean, you know, there's everybody that we missed in the draft, I guess. I don't I don't know well, how just, you could fit that just into. Just a picture of the NBA draft. Just a ping yeah. pong ball. Just a ping yeah. pong ball. Because, I mean, you know, you can throw Kawhi. You can throw Dame. You can throw CJ. You can throw Clay. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. You can throw whatever. We we were talking a little last night with James Ham about all the guys that, have, you know, Rudy Gobert has came through and, uh, you know, all, all these people who, who have came through SAC, put on a SAC practice jersey and just – for whatever reason, the Kings were not were not fans of. Um, I just would have taken one of them, <laughs> and then we got none of them. Just one, hilarious. Just one. So yeah, let's get to this Mount Rushmore. Um, apparently, I I actually learned I I will say every day, like I said, every day is a school day. Is something my dad always used to say. Um, my dad is still alive. I don't know why I say used to say. My dad says it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore, apparently, very controversial topic. <laughs> I had yeah, I absolutely uh, no idea. But apparently, Mount Rushmore is a very—it's pretty much a hey, natives who were here. It's a big middle finger to them. Really? Who knew? I've American never been. History, crazy. I've never been. American history does oh, seem no. like it is yeah. American history, history is not not very chill. History's happening right now as well. It's a lot. Also it, not very chill. Every, every day is yeah. It's. Last night I felt I looked at you and was like, we're literally just sitting here watching basketball, and <laughs> I, I felt I felt no, I felt guilty. I feel like I just feel. I just well, it doesn't I feel, feel right. It's like, especially you know, you and I work in sports. Obviously, it's like we're just you know we're just completely not ignoring, but you know, there's just no, this massive thing going. It's on. privilege. Not to get all political. Sorry, I'm just saying I just feel very privileged to be here and we're safe. When you look at Alex Len, who's on the bench, probably just going through absolute hell. He's, hell, he's got to he, be. He, we've heard from all the teammates from the team about how Alex, who who is from the Ukraine, um, he has family out there. And he, you don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. But for for now they're safe and that's what's most important. But you don't know what's going to happen today. Um, 
he looked like he was going through it. And all the players said that it's, it's tough to see someone that broken down and they had that great moment at center court with everybody. It's Chris and I were just talking last night at the game and it was the third quarter. I'm like, we are literally just sitting here watching a basketball game when it's just crazy. We're all on the same planet. Just while so many different things are going on yeah. right across the drink, the ocean out there. We're here. It's just, I don't know. Everybody's count your blessings today. Yep. That's all. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's something it's, it's humbling is probably not the right word, but let just, you know, when you're, when you're at the game, just think for like two seconds, like, Oh, there's like an entire country of people that are just not like, this is, this is the last, like the furthest thing from a possibility right now. I mean, getting displaced going, like I saw pictures of people in their, in the subway. And there's like movie, yes, po- yeah. movie, there's movie posters, fucking uncharted and stuff behind them and ads for like McDonald's. Like this is a, this yeah. is not a myth. Like it's just, I think people sometimes that haven't traveled much and I haven't traveled much. And it's, it's something that I have tried to do a better job of, of make it's just, it's realization that there are places that exist outside of the United States and they're people like us. They're living the same lives we live. They're living underneath the subway right now while bombs are going off. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it was tough for me for a minute to fully get into the game, especially after what we saw from the beginning part with of the beginning, um, the the moment of silence with with both teams. It just kind of took me out for a minute. I just really feel um, feel privileged, blessed to be to be where I am right now, here safe, and I hope everybody else over there is, is going to come through this okay. It's a scary time, and I, I feel for right. Alex's family too. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very scary, but yeah, nicer to remind yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, as we phase out of history to Mount Rushmore, <laughs> to Mount Rushmore, where we started, uh, Mount Rushmore, we're going to etch a couple, uh, our personal Mount Rushmore's. We're just going to, I mean, whatever, we're just going to call it our top, our, our favorite, our fave four. four. It's fav, fab, fab four, final four, the four. I don't know. I don't know. All those do are you, fine. Do you want to go? <laughs> Do you want to just go off the top of your head? Are you going you draft want... style? What are we doing? No, I think we can just. I think we can both have the same okay. if we had. If we had That's to, I think. Fair. I think. Um, let's flip. I'll flip a coin. I'm gonna flip an imaginary coin, yep. and I'm gonna. You pick what you want, and I'll tell you if I in my head yep. is what it is. Ready? What do you got? Yep. Three, two, one. Tails never fails. I did go heads. I truthfully went heads in my head before, so you can have, you can go first. Douche. Um. All right. I mean, my number one draft pick has to be. Oh, whoa! I was gonna say it's got to be Chris Webber. I'm just gonna say that because he's got to be he's got to be somewhere on the Mount Rushmore. He might as well be first. I mean, obviously he was the best player on our best teams. Um, I mean, what what really needs to be said? He, I'm pretty sure he. Uh, I'm not. He just he. You know, Chris Webber speaks for himself. He he's amazing. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like he, he's one of our best scorers of all time. Uh, was the 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 heart of the the ball movement for those teams. Um, he was everything that Demonis Sabonis is. Is pretty much what Chris Webber was for those teams, except he had great teammates around him, a great culture around him, a great coach for him. Um, and, you know, for that reason, you know, and Chris is just, you know, if you were to ask any random Joe Schmo who the best king, I would say of all time, Sacramento king of all time, they'd probably say Chris Weber, if not Rich, Mitch Richmond, but uh, they 
more than likely say Chris Webber, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Face of the franchise. Do you go for the second? Do you go second now, or, or do I? Go? I, I, I thought we were going to go one for one. I we'll go, go we'll, we'll, no, we'll go one for one. I also have Chris. I think it's easier to go. I'm I'll, Chris Webber has to be on your rush on a Mount Kings Mount Rushmore. He yeah. arguably the best player in the Sacramento era, like you said. And yeah, I mean, what more can you say other than the fact he's it, it's it's all famer. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. Like it's Chris Webber. It's Chris Webber. If you're from here, you know. I mean, even if you're not, I I think that's the real telltale sign is if you're not here. If you're not from here, you still know uh, it's Chris Weber. Um, my second pick, I'll do Rick. I'm going to do Rick Allman um, just because, you know, he was the coach of those teams. And, and we've he, I think the coach is just as as important as, as the players, especially for a team like that, where, um, you know, if you ask any of those guys, Doug talked about it all the time of just Rick really was uh, the guy that instilled in them that this style of play is okay. And you using your, you using your basketball gifts to express your creativity is the greatest thing you could do on that court. Um, he really obviously stressed that with Jay will who really, you know, started this whole Sacramento or that whole Sacramento Kings culture of, wow, like these guys aren't just a bunch of cow town guys. These are guys who are really playing fun basketball. And this is something that you should watch and pay attention to. Um, and Rick was, Rick was at the center of all of it. I mean, it's no coincidence that since Rick left, we just literally nothing was the same. Um, we have not found any success in a post Rick Allen era and without Rick, I mean, I really don't think that those teams are able to go. I mean, you know, you could maybe argue that if you had Phil Jackson as your coach or something, maybe that's what, or somebody, somebody else quote unquote better as your head coach, they maybe could have taken you over the top. But I think Rick uh, took those teams about as far as he could. And, um, you know, it was it was it's the reason why you and I are doing this podcast here today is because um, Rick led those teams to 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 just such a, a beautiful style of basketball that made everyone in the town love them and yeah, with, without those and, uh, eight years yeah. of success we might not the team might not be here if, no. if they oh they no 100 no. if they have nothing to show because again sam they made the playoffs i believe in the first year they moved here then they didn't make it again until i believe 96 when they played the sonics and then they missed again until uh nine, i mean they, they made the playoffs what 10 times i think 11 times over 36 years it's 37 years if without Rick Adelman, you're right. The, the Kings might be the Sonics. They might be the Virginia would, Beach yeah, Kings. I would say they are. So um, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. I am going to go with the other Hall of Famer that the Kings have in the Sacramento era, Mitch Richmond. Now, he played for some teams that were obviously not very good, but it's The Rock. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, he he ranks he's the third all-time scorer on on the Kings list. He's the all-time Sacramento era scorer because the other guys ahead of him are Oscar Robertson, Robertson, Jack Twyman, um, who we will probably, not be including. Correct? We will not be including. No, I mean obviously no. that's just who we, Oscar Robertson about. Yeah. Which by the way, I was having an argument with a friend of mine. Shout out Blake, who's like a massive Lakers fan. Blake, um, huge Lakers fan. He he is not of the thinking that Oscar Robertson would be successful in the NBA today. Has he watched he, clips or what? what yeah, how, how did he come he, to that consensus? Well, he, he's of the, the consensus that, that like the, the, the opponents back then were like car mechanics and stuff like that. Or like they were people that are not world-class athletes, but I had a good friend of mine who, who 
came up with another art side argument and said, well, but Oscar Robertson, if he came up through this system now with AAU and high school basketball and training and sports science, he probably would be that or better. It's just, I mean, I don't know if you cross air comparisons for basketball are impossible. It's no, it's toxic. It's, it's toxic. It's, it's so toxic. And he, he's a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And he was so angry that Kobe's below Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson. I said, dude, you are, your, your Lakers bias is showing. Is he adamant? Every well, but yeah, but he, but no, you're being you are being biased. I like Kobe Bryant too. I grew up not liking Kobe Bryant because he was a Laker. But then when you look at how he was, how great he was as a basketball player, I can appreciate his greatness. And he is he belongs on a top ten list. But I don't think he's above top six. Is my point. We don't need to get into who's top ten. Everything I'm saying. Oscar Robertson averaged a triple double before before it was cool when Russell Westbrook made it cool. I don't even think it was an official stat at that point. It I don't wasn't. think they were like counting triple doubles at that point. No, the guy was, was an absolute something he was doing. He's <laughs> a problem. He won championships. Put some respect on Big O. Yeah. Um, but no, we can't we can't put him on on the no, list. We're just doing Sacramento era. Sacramento era, but no, Mitch Richmond. So yeah, on mine so far, I have the two Hall of Famers, Chris Weber, Mitch Richmond. You have Chris Weber and Rick Adelman. I'm also going to put third? Mitch on mine for third. Um, you know, I kind of always, I mean, I just wasn't born in, in Mitch's time, but uh, I can definitely respect the fact that he was, you know, the only good player on, on those Kings teams pretty much. And, and was, uh, you know, he was, he was a, I don't know how many time all-star, but he was an all-star for the team. I believe he won his all-star game MVP while playing mm-hmm. for the Kings, Warned. which is, I can't even imagine if a King were to win all-star MVP, what Six it would be. Six time all-star. Six time all-star. With the King, all with the Kings in a row. I mean, it, that's we, we that's unprecedented at this point. Like we, it was it was a miracle to get Demarcus into two. Um, did he get two or three? He got three, but the third three. one he got traded. Gotcha, boy. Um, so you know, I I can't imagine what it would be like to have a six time All Star on the team. I mean, we haven't seen that since the, I'm sure C Webb was was an All Star for that many years. But um, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, you you just got to go with Mitch. I mean, he he's got to be on the list. He it's not his fault that he wasn't around, uh, wasn't surrounded by you know the type of team that Chris was, but he also led us to getting Chris. So I think that's a very big part of his his Sacramento Kings legacy. And um, for that, he's he's getting his head etched into a rock for the rock. Hey, now, hey, the rocks on a rock. I uh, I'm looking at. The all-time three-point field goal percentage leaders in King's history, mm-hmm. and the the top the top five are crazy. Anthony Peeler forty-eight percent, George Hill forty-five, Seth Curry forty-five, Katino Mobley. You have Aaron Aflalo on this list. Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it, it's just what is the qualification for that? It has they ha- it should be a minimum two hundred attempts or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, I was looking for my next guy here. He is not on the top three-point field percentage list, but he, he he has to be on there. Peja, as, as a king, mm-hmm. he, he shot just under 40% from three. For his career, he shot 40%. He, he's top 10 all-time in points score for the franchise. I think when you look at the success those t- early 2000s teams had, Chris Webber was a big part, but Peja, without him, I, I don't know what their, what the team looks like without a guy who can space the floor like that and do what he did. Um, one of the best shooters in the game at that time. I wonder what would have happened if he would have played in this era. Um, but 24 points per game, six rebounds, uh, 
92% from the free throw line. He played almost every game in 2003, 2004. MVP candidate. I just think he he definitely has made his mark as far as there's been a lot of bad teams over the years. I'm saying Paige Sayakovich on the good teams was probably the second best part of those teams, in my opinion. That's an interesting one. I'd like to have a little conversation about that because when you're saying, I mean, these are these are four faces that are are the faces of your franchise, is pretty much what you're saying. So I think it's interesting that Peja you know, I just don't think a lot of people think would would think that way. I think that's, I, I I don't really know how I even feel about it. Like, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think the argument you just gave is a perfect. Like, you know, name another guy besides Chris Webber who was an MVP. He was legitimate, like, a top three MVP finalist. Impactful. I'm talking like impactful. Mm-hmm. Asia was a guy who went out there and got 20 points a game. He was super impactful. But you, Mike Bibby, Doug Christie, Vladdy, those guys were impactful. But but Peja from 2000. From the year 2000 to the year 2006, when he got traded to Indiana, he averaged 20 points per game, five boards, a steal, 46 field goal percent, 40% from three. And he was only taking five attempts per game while shooting 90% from the free throw line. Almost 50, 40, 90. I mean, the, the, the guy, it's, it's crazy. I don't know if he ever did do 50, 40, 90, did he? I'm sure. Uh, 50, 50 was, is probably where he, he was short. very close. He was 48%. Uh, from the field, forty three percent from three, ninety two percent, which led the league that year. Mm. He he was an MVP. MVP. Um, he was top five MVP. I think I think I've figured out the where where I fall short on Peja is just he doesn't have the moment, and that kind of sums up Peja's tactic. He just didn't ever come up in the biggest moments. Well, when one big issue. Did. Do you want two thousand two conference finals? He was hurt. For sure, he, yes. he barely he he barely played, and I'm not saying that was. I think the first game that correct? would have been his moment, yeah. But it's like if he was a big part of those that if he was fully healthy for that again, mm-hmm. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole and say if Peja was healthy, the Kings are champions. But I I think if Peja was healthy, the Kings might have been champions. I so don't disagree. Absolutely yeah. don't disagree. Hito did come in and put in very very solid because I think I watched. I think all of that series uh, during the pandemic, it was like when absolutely nothing was on and all of those games are on YouTube. And I watched like literally every single second of those games. And Hito did come in and play very, very well. Um, I just think, yeah, I think that's my biggest quote unquote beef with Peja is just uh, he just doesn't have that moment. And Mike does have that those moments and I'm considering putting him on there for me, but I just don't think. Would he be your last pick? He does. He would be my last pick, but I don't think I'm going to go there. Where are you going? I almost want to put a troll on there. Like, I'm like, I'm, you hate this, Frank, but I'm going to sit on the fence on this. And like, I want to put like Pete Delisandro on there as a cautionary tale of like, this is just as, look, when you're the Sacramento Kings, that is as big of a part of your history as the success is. Well, the, remember, the, or remember the draft, the, the draft ping pong ball. You can just put the ping pong balls up there. That would that would resemble all the sure. people we yep. missed. Yep. That, it, it, it's like a it's like a memorial. We'll put the yeah. I'm gonna put the the six from from that used to be sit outside the I like uh, that the Arco Arena. I'm going to put the six on there, not for the sixth man, because the sixth man is implied to be the fans. It's it's the external forces that are not on the court. That's what the six is going to represent. That's, that's deep, bro. 
the GM, GMs, GMs, the deep. owner, z, z. That's deep. I like that. Deep. So I'm going to put uh, the number six to represent external forces. Frankie, your I'm final going, pick. I'm going a different route. Um, I think that when you look at the Kings, their history in Sacramento, the people that have been most notable, um, they're, they're all-time ranks here. I As bad as the teams were back then, DeMarcus Cousins deserves to be on this list. I very much considered it. I just I heard Twitter yelling at me, and I stopped. I don't know. I mean, they can yell at him for all his, his, his antics and all that stuff. But I, I mean, think it's the lack of success. In the Sacramento era. That's, he, that's where he, I stopped. He well, it, the way I view it is, Demarcus Cousins didn't fail the Kings. The Kings failed him. They failed him mm. to surround him with talent. Snaps, Queen. Wait, snaps. <laughs> they 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 did though. They, you have him for almost a decade. They have him for seven, eight years. You fail the you you bring Rudy Gay to Sacramento. Great, but you fail on pick after pick. You draft Willie Cauley Stein. You draft Nick Stauskas. Um, you Jimmer. the Jimmer, the nightmare of the the. Jorgis Papayanis draft. They really? they they failed to bring in talent to surround him. And they tried. They did try one year and they brought in Rondo and Kufis, or maybe even the next year when they when they brought in um Aaron Aflalo, Matt Barnes, just veterans to to surround him with in in shooters, but they never swung that big deal outside of the Rudy Gay trade. They never swung that Sabonis type deal. And and sent off some of the other other guys and and maybe they couldn't maybe they weren't able to but also I think it's just inept the the front office was was very inept at that point. I think that's an excellent point because that's actually as you were talking that's exactly what I was thinking was what would people have said if we would have traded Tyreek Evans when he was at his or when he that, had some form of trade value what if the Kings would have cashed in their chips at that point? That's a great that's a great question after after Tyreek Tyreek. That Tyrese, sorry, I'm still at the Whoa, most recent thing on the front. Drawing connections? Here? The, no, I think we are. Like Tyreek Evans, his second season with the Kings, right? He he took a step back. He went from averaging 25 and five to mm. 17 four and five, but he still had a steal and a half. He was 40 percent from the field, which is awful. Three point shot never really developed until his later seasons. But that's pretty reminiscent to the Kings trading, say Tyreek at the deadline in the second year for. I don't know who would have. I maybe like legitimately. I don't even. I don't think it was ever even discussed. And so I no. can't even tell you what his value was at that point. I think it would have been high. I think we have to ask James Hammer, some of the other guys that were actually covering the team yeah. back then. But I feel like if Tyreek Evans coming off of that 25 and five season at the midpoint of a season, the next year where he's averaging 17, what was it? Mm-hmm. 17, 17, five and five and still a steal and a half per game. I would think he has, Maybe not as much, as much value as Tyrese Halliburton had, but significant value to get mm-hmm. to bring back a piece to bring a wing for Demarcus Cousins or a different guard. Mm-hmm. But um, also, the team was different back then. I don't know if the Kings had multiple guards like the Kings did this year when they traded Tyrese. But point is, Demarcus Cousins gets a lot of of blame. Um, I don't think he really deserves. I mean, the the on court and off court antics are inexcusable. It's it was ridiculous watching him complain and and throw tantrums and ridiculous. and all. It was ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Um, no pun intended. Well, pun intended, actually. So, but when it, when it comes down to looking at this franchise from 1985 to 2022, that eight-year chunk, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's that's almost a third of the time the team has been here from 2010 to, to 2017, 2018. 
DeMarcus Cousins was the the part of that, the main part. The guy is top, like I said, he's the, the leading rebounder in Sacramento era. Uh, I believe he's top five in points scored. He's top six in points scored. Um, he He's top six in points per game. And, and it, it just, he deserves a little respect in my mind. Um, I feel bad that his career has gone the way that it's gone. I was looking forward to him potentially playing last night, but he didn't get his deal signed in time because he still has only played one game in Sacramento since he's been traded, which I can't really believe that that's true, but he's played one game in Sacramento since he's been traded, which by the time he comes next season, it'll be six years. So mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, who know, I mean, who frankly knows if he'll get that yeah, shot? I mean, he might not be, he might not, he might not ever get one again. The only game he might have ever played in Sacramento as an opposing player. He had, had 41 points and 22 rebounds. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely the pick that I my heart wanted to make. But like I said, I just think uh, at the end of the day, if you're going to build a Ru- Mount Rushmore and have it up, you know, for the remainder of history, it would be you would have to do a lot of explaining. And those who know for sure know, but you would have to explain why. Yes, this guy was putting up 28 and 12 or whatever but the team was nowhere near the playoffs. How, how could you have this guy as one of your franchise players or, you know, as one of your all time franchise players? That's fair. That's a fair argument too. It's fair. But like, I mean, it's the, it's the hand we're dealt. I mean, we really don't, (laughs) it's, it's either, I mean, I, it's either to me, you put in like Peja or, or Mike, or you put in DeMarcus. And so you have to make that choice of, are you going to put in one of the, guys who aren't as talented as him, but were a part of a winning team, or are you going to take the guy who is clearly the better talent of them all, but I mean, didn't necessarily lead to results. A, a Who's cop out, a, a cop out or sit, sit the fence. As I like to say you, that you do on a lot of things. <laughs> uh, if you wanted to say, like, okay, for the Rushmore of the Kings, you could just put the, the entire 2002 Kings on, on a, a Rushmore head. And then you could, then it gets interesting. Yeah. If you put, just the 2002 Kings on a Rushmore head, mm-hmm. which would include how good those teams were, like Adelman, Peja, yes. Weber, yeah. Bibby. Then you probably have Richmond, and then you would who have else? to put Demarcus. Demarcus, De'Aaron I don't, Fox. I just don't think at this exact moment, I don't think De'Aaron Fox has earned that. I don't think he has quite stapled himself as like, yes, this guy is somebody that is you know just universally recognized as a franchise piece mm-hmm. no you're right he the Aaron speaking of moments we haven't really seen him have his his moment either I mean mm-hmm. all these 40 point games stuff like that it's cool it's cool to watch I mean boogie too had he had his moments but they they weren't they weren't like the Mike mm-hmm. Bibby moment or the, or Chris Chris Weber has a, a, a laundry mm-hmm. list of moments that we could go back and, and look look at um Doug Christie even has his moment those guys have their moments, right? De'Aaron, yeah. De'Aaron needs his moment. He needs to have his moment, and it has to be in a winning situation. Like, a, 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 they're going for something. Mm-hmm. What I was saying about Doug, though, real quick, was he had, I think he had eight steals one game. And <laughs> he had, like, that leak-out pass to, yeah. I, I think it might have been Keon Clark, or, or, or it was in San Antonio, and it just had him going the skip. Remember he was skipping? Yes. 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 It, that, was, that was the game I'm talking about. So people have their I mean, moments. No. Doug also hit Rick Fox. That was for sure a moment. Okay, yeah, I'm totally forget. I totally spaced on that part. Yeah. Uh, Demarcus had his 55 point games and his the you know, mouthpiece spit. 
mouthpiece bit. The this is ridiculous. He, I mean, you and I very fondly remember that game winner against Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody else remembers that quite as we, well as we, you and I do. But we were there. Was that your first buzzer beer that you ever saw? Possibly. Yeah, that's a that good mine. That's. I didn't really think about that, but it definitely might have been. It was so exciting um, for me because of that very reason. I was just like, yeah, I was you know, stunned. Dearn has game winners, but I wouldn't really say he has a moment. Like he does have the the putback dunk in Miami. I guess is the closest that you can get to his moment. Or the but the, the Philly thing. Tyreek had his half court shot. That is the moment of moments. Tyreek also had like the, era, the had back to back games where he had the the game winner game winning layup against Milwaukee. He had the game winning layup against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. He had the game winning steal against the Nuggets and a game winning shot again, a go ahead shot that he had a bunch of moments that rookie mm-hmm. year. That was a, honestly a fun rookie year. Um, as bad as those games were, those teams were team with Tyreek Evans, the way they won games. I remember it was always exciting when they, mm-hmm. when they were, were not getting blown out. It was always a last second <laughs> layup or shot or, but anyways, um, yeah, I would say I, yeah. That that's that's the argument against De'Aaron. It's just he's not he's not quite there yet, and we'll see. I mean, you know, with with this Sabonis pairing, maybe maybe those two will get will get a nice tandem. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm hopeful they can still kind of get something going this this season. But I'm very excited for the beginning of next season. It's, it's it sucks it's so far away, but I'm very excited to see what they do with those two, what they surround them with. Because I feel better about any beginning of any season when you have two players that are all star caliber. That's the first time we've had that in a very long time. So, very long time. I can't even think. I mean, there was, I guess, maybe people were talking to them. No, I mean, not even when Demarcus was at his peak, like Tyreek had already kind of fizzled out and there wasn't really hope for that. I guess maybe Isaiah Thomas and Demarcus, but even then, there wasn't really realistic all star expectations for either of those. Um, yeah, it's been a while, and that's really interesting, especially with them potentially having a top 10 pick. Um, you know, they have the trade piece of Harrison Barnes as an expiring contract. Um, you know, there's there's rumors that they're going to try and move for who has a four-year, $40 million deal. I think it'll be three and 30 at that point. Um, I think I think he's making more than that. I think he's – I think like, James, yeah. James and I in the press room were talking about last night that the Kings could – potentially like this is not a, a rumor or anything we we're just saying oh a possibility because the 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 salaries line up luke Kennard and rashawn are on around the same contract they make around 13 13 million a year i don't know how i feel about that i would like it kings and shooters they do need shooters i'm not sure luke Kennard is a shooter he shoots the ball so not to get ahead of ourselves looking at the basketball reference if i told you that dj augustine was still playing would you believe me uh no, he's still. Playing. Or I would say he's like like the third or fourth guard on the Bucks. No, he's he's the backup point guard for the Rockets, and he has a seven million dollar contract. That's playing for the Rockets. He has a seven million dollar contract. I believe he was traded. Uh, why I'm looking at Luke Kennard's numbers right now, and he's shooting forty four percent from three. What I'm saying is, put some respect on Luke Kennard. Interesting. Now I'm interested. <laughs> you have my attention. Now you have my attention. Um, um, who else do we have on this this basketball reference list? 
DJ Augustine is interesting. I've I've always like liked him, but never. I mean, he there was a, that year with the Magic where he literally won them a single playoff game was was insane. And I feel what like, year you know, was that? Uh, it was like two or three years ago. It was I think oh like yeah the year before the bubble. Yeah, twenty nineteen. He averaged yeah. twelve, and I mean, he started all five games, forty eight percent from the field, forty seven from three point. That series, yeah, he was going. Stupid bananas. Um, and Brian a, Cardinal, Marcus Smart. He's a 13-year veteran. Yeah, uh, Marcus Smart. So the Kings did try to get Marcus Smart a couple times, right? They met with him at Summer League. There was that picture of him and Vladi at the top of mm-hmm. the bleachers at the Thomas and Mack Center. And it was just—it was literally Vladi and Marcus Smart like, by themselves. It was very strange in empty stadium seats talking. And I'm sure Marcus Smart was like, you know what? I'm staying in Boston, dude. Sorry. Like, you guys <laughs> – Y'all suck. Um, Brian Cardinal's a champion. Alan Crabb, I'm looking at here. I remember the Kings were considering uh, making an offer towards him before he got his mega deal with Brooklyn. Is he still getting paid, by the way? I don't believe so. I think it's over now. Um, it ended in the, the 2019-20 season. Yep. He, he made $75 million. He made a lot of money. Him and Tyler Johnson made more money than anybody should have made. He's, in that he's, I, he's not even 30 yet. Timothy Mozgov. Um, I, believe he's, in the, I believe he's in the G League, too. I think Alan Krav is making a comeback, right? In the G I League? No, I, I have not heard that. He plays for, yeah, the Westchester Knicks. <laughs> Good luck on you, Alan. Uh, he's only 29. Brian Cardinal, who was a staple for, I feel like I only, rem- wow, he was on Dallas for a lot shorter than I remember, but yeah. he, uh, did he get a ring with it? No, he didn't. Yeah, oh, he did. He got he, he got the championship with Dallas. That's he, why I remember him so far. He played that. too. He played like, I believe what he, he played, well, not in, no, he played nine games in that postseason run. Wow. That's, that's incredibly surprising. That's <laughs> That'd honestly, be like, oh, Brian Scalabrini actually played for those Celtics finals teams or something. That, that would be the equivalent of what you just told me. Did Brian, Scal- Brian Scalabrini really won a ring that year. So does Scott Pollard, by the way, on that Celtics team. He did. Yeah, he did. Then he walked into the – I think that was the last team he ever played for. How um, about Boban? How, what, what are your feelings on Boban? He's an actor. <laughs> End of sentence. He's an actor. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I I think that he what are his per thirty six? His per thirty six. Um, oh my god, he's twenty nine point eight points per game, eleven rebounds <laughs> per thirty six. Because he only can yeah. play short bursts. You know, he's playing mm-hmm. five minutes per game right now. I don't think he's even in the rotation really. But um, I his think per, he, his per thirty sixes might go down in history as being the greatest player of all time. Yeah, when he plays, he does things. You know, oh, I I thought he was younger than thirty three. Um, he's His probably per 36 career average is 23 points and 15 rebounds. Insane. Insane. Oh, by the way, he's under contract still for two more seasons at 3.5 mil per. So he's going to get a nice little penny before he, he rides off in the sunset. He's, he'll, be, he'll be 34 next season. I would imagine that'll probably be it for a guy that's 7'3", 300 pounds. Um, he's playing it's fun. Just played under ten minutes pretty much his entire career, but I, it's just inter- It's very interesting. I don't know. Like he's he, just, like you said, every time he comes in, he produces, and like he will have when he plays, he will have like 
you know, 16 and 12 yeah. games and stuff like that. It's just. So he's completely out of the rotation, though. He's completely out of the rotation. He's played once since Christmas. He's just not played. Very interesting. Like, um, I mean, it makes sense because he probably is. It's probably not offense. That's the problem. I mean, defensively, you obviously would want to just get a switch on him and he would be completely. I mean, he's not going to be able to cover deer and fox you know no. like Boban's gonna get murdered every day of the week and so i feel like maybe that's part of it but begs the question would yao ming be anything if he played in today's nba i think so <laughs> sounds like your friend blake i uh, yeah yeah that's a good question i should ask him yeah would yao ming be good in the nba today still i would i would say he'd probably be fine but i don't know i don't know yao couldn't run he had foot problems yeah he'd be good he'd be good for one season probably Backup center, he he played <laughs> he played big minutes though he he played oh yeah thirty seven minutes in twenty thousand ran that man into the ground, <laughs> and then he came back and played five games in two thousand eleven. Did he ever get a big contract? He I think he when did, he signed, he did, he did right when he came he, into the league. Didn't he? He signed a rookie. Yeah. He had a rookie rookie deal. Then he signed a rookie extension. Also, was he number one pick? Yes, he was. Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star. Yeah. How many playoffs? Did they ever make it far? Did they ever go far? I don't believe so because there was always – Yao made the All-Star game every single year he played. Yeah. I mean, fan voting, right? I guess. Yeah, that's very true. Very good point. So, yeah, uh, I don't believe they made the far in the playoffs. Sorry, because uh, it was always a thing that Tracy McGrady never that's made right. it out of the first round. That's and what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Yep. They made yep. it to second round one year, game seven. Game seven, did they scored 70 points in a game seven at Staples Center? That's oh, wait, no, Not wait, Tracy, Tracy McGrady was gone at that point, though. Yes, I was gonna say, yeah, T Mac, he he just didn't ever for whatever reason until he was on the Spurs, actually. Who actually, funny enough, the one year, the one year Tracy McGrady made it past the first round, A, he was not like actively playing, B, it was the freaking Rayon year. Chris, the, he was yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, he was he was seconds away, so close to winning a championship. And then oh, I sick. believe he retired. And then they they won the next, the next year. year. That happened to Pistol Pete Maravich too when he played for the um played for the Celtics. Pete Maravich played a long time for the, the Jazz and stuff like that. And then he went to the Celtics, played with Larry Bird. Said, you know, what? I'm I'm over it. Yeah, retired. They won a championship the next year. I guess he was super upset about it. I read that in a, like a Larry Bird book a long time ago. Um, no, I'm looking at so this Rockets team, the 2009 Rockets, they took the world champion Lakers. They went on to win the championship the next two years, I believe, to Game Seven of the second round. Do you want me to tell you what their rotation was? I'm looking at Game Seven right here. Uh, Ray for Alston? Uh, no, their starting um, point guard was Aaron Brooks. Oh, Sacramento Kings legend Aaron Brooks. Their starting center was Luis Scola. Okay. Their starting power, our small forward, power. was right. Meta World Peace. Great guy. Their starting two guard was Shane Battier. And their starting power forward, Chris, was Chuck Hayes. Then their bench was young Kyle Lowry, Vaughn Wafer, Brent Berry, and Carl Landry. This team Landry. took this this team took the Lakers at game seven. They traded T Mac this year, I believe. Yeah, they uh, and they, they had Matum- Matumbo was playing in 09. 
That is hilarious. The year they trade T-Mac is the year that they make it past the first round. Can't they make that stuff up. Did they trade him at the deadline to the, to the Knicks? They must have, yeah. He played 35 games for him that year. Or did he get hurt? Yeah, they traded him to the Knicks. Tough stuff. Man, he was done at that point. He is really just completely... He was only 28, too. In 2008, he was 28. T-Mac averaged 21. The next year, done. 15 points a game, and by the next year, he was averaging five, and then he was out of the league in two years. So, crazy. Absolutely insane. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, not not COVID. Just, <laughs> just living. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Uh, is that is that it? I mean, we we've I feel like we've we've done a good job of stretching out this basketball reference segment. Um, let me see here. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's, that's, that's all the meat off that bone. Uh, I believe uh, the Kings. Pl- so they play Friday, or I'm sorry, Saturday uh, against Denver as well. Um, got got a roadie road trip coming up. Five yep. game road trip. Got a five game road trip, uh, which will conclude when they come back. I believe also against Denver. Correct. No, <laughs> they- so it it goes. Um, Denver on Saturday, and they have OKC. Next Wednesday, Thursday, everybody, make sure you tap in. The biggest two games of the year take place Wednesday, Thursday. They play New Orleans on Wednesday, the Spurs on Thursday. If they could win both of those, which is insane, it's probably not going to happen, but they win both of those, they they secure the tiebreaker with both New Orleans and San Antonio while picking up game games in the standings. Um, the big games coming up. The OKC game. Kind of, that's a must win. Then those other two against New Orleans, San Antonio, must wins. Then they finish it with Dallas, and they come home and play the Knicks. And that that's sort of a brutal stretch of games. So mm. brutal stretch in March. Brutal stretch. Knicks, Nuggets at home, Jazz on the road. Then they have a home stand with the Bulls, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Suns. Mm. Hor- horrifying. Fun stuff. So we'll be back uh, probably, let's say, Tuesday. I think Tuesday we could do it, yeah. Tuesday is probably the day that we'll come back. Um, at that point, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of winnable games, I think. In, I shouldn't even say that. God, I just I can't believe I said that. Um, You're falling have, into it. I know. They have some less difficult opponents uh, after playing the Nuggets, like you just stated. The Thunder, the Pelicans, Spurs. Mavericks and Knicks are all, you know, if you're trying to compete for that playing spot, those are all games that you should at least, you know, be competitive in and probably grab at least three of them. So let's hope that, you know, this is this is a nice, especially, you know, with all those tough games coming up right after the Kings are going to need going to need to pick up some games right here or else they're definitely digging themselves a hole that I'm frankly just not sure that they can dig themselves out of. Yeah, I would say if they lose the next two, if they lose to Denver and OKC, I'd say they should shut down some people. That's just my opinion. If they fall five games out, six games out with less than 20 to go, mm-hmm. what are we doing? I mean, what, what are we actually doing? If you got to take care of business, mm-hmm. don't don't waste, don't risk injury. Yeah, I mean, it would be very fitting because I just feel like the theme of this year has just been a lost year. It's just it's it's not there's really not much that they can salvage from this season um, except for the fact that they received DeMontis Sabonis and, and we'll have him moving forward. Um, but besides that, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really know if, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know. Yeah, what that might, the point. 
that might be just the win the win of the year if there is one. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's a win long term. But the the takeaway, you know, a win, but a takeaway is you you have an all star center for next season. You have De'Aaron Fox for four more years under contract. You have your your picks. Let's see what happens. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see if they can get through this weekend and Tuesday. Hopefully, we have some good things to talk about. But um, I'm still excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm hopeful, and that's all we can be. Hopeful. Yep. Hopeful. Um, but you remember what I always say. Hope is the thing that will kill you. So don't get too hopeful. Temper your expectations. But at the same time, get excited. <laughs> because fair enough. If it's not going to be now, it's probably not going to happen. And if it is going to be now, this is going to be the start of it. And, uh, you know, it'll it'll this is kind of the season, honestly, coming up. As funny as it sounds, like like you said, I mean, if they if they don't do well in this little stretch, there's a there's a good possibility that they might. So you know, it, it might not be immediately after, but it kind of is is the start of the end at that point. Yeah. Um, every so, game is precious. Every game is precious, and they, every they, game really is. Yeah. If they go through the next two and don't have one win, OKC Denver, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, so yeah, we will be back hopefully on Tuesday. Uh, Thank you all for listening so much. Or thank you so much for listening is what I meant to say. Uh, we are an hour 20 into this. So, again, if you if you listen to all this, we really appreciate it. Uh, for Frankie Carzelli, I'm Chris Watkins. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.